Well, good evening. Welcome. It's 2019 and I'm guessing you already know that this year is going to be something incredible on the show. Welcome to season five of City Trends, your number one technology conversation on Ghana Radio. My name is Philip Ashon and City Trends is sponsored by Haptel. Now, Haptel is providing businesses of all sizes with an e-commerce platform to organize sales processes and delight customers, whether it's in-store, it's online, or it's on mobile. Haptel has got you covered. Now, if you own a business, simply pick up your phone and dial star 713 and they will call you back and help you to set up your own e-commerce platform. Haptel, rethink customer service. And we are very proud to be associated with Haptel to bring you City Trends. It's season five and we are more than excited to come your way once again. You've stuck with us as listeners and um, this year we are hoping to bring you some pretty interesting things to make your year worthwhile. So we have a number of things planned for you this year and I'll be telling you all about them. But for today's show, we have two main things that we'll be doing. We'll be introducing you to what we have planned for you for this year and also um, to give you a sense of um, some of the new faces and new voices you'll be hearing on the show. One voice that you will be hearing and you have heard and you've gotten very accustomed to is the voice of Jeffrey Oreku Sapon who um, joins me in the studio now. Jeffrey? Point of correction, the all new Jeffrey Oreku Sapon. Sorry, I apologize so for I that. New too. The all new Jeffrey Rikusapo. Jeffrey, um, 2019, brilliant year. Happy things, good things. CES, Consumer Electronics oh, um, Show was was immense. It was great. We, there's a lot coming um, 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 our listeners with this yeah. year. But um, before we even start everything off, tell us about what you have planned for this year. For the to-do segment, of course, and then for the okay. app segment as well. So for the how-to segment this year... Um, here's what I want to do. If you have anything that you want us to do on the how-to segment, we can do it. Just send us either on WhatsApp or mention me on Twitter and then let's chat. So it's either on our WhatsApp page, I'll get it and then we'll find a way to bring it to you. Or just mention me, OJ Sapon, on Twitter and then let's do it. Okay. And I'm planning to not just do technical stuff it's annoying but there are some simple things that we take for granted mm. and then when the time comes for us to do them we realize that oh no we i forgot really sure. like people want to send an email and they're not really sure how to go about yeah, it people especially if you have to, to use something other than gmail you know and and people want to scan a document that there's a scanner available but they're not sure how to where exactly to connect go about which port to connect exactly to all so, those things so that is what we'll be doing yes. for for listeners this year brilliant brilliant so that's it for the how, how to, to segment. segment yes what about the trade the, the app segment? segment so for the app segment we are hoping that this year we'll get more local apps mm. and so i plan to bring you in the next few weeks some of the local apps that we got last year okay we will bring you some of them in the next few weeks and then Hopefully when we get more 
we will Some bring more. those ones too. Like so for the local app developers, Charlie, stop being afraid. Yes, stop being afraid. Come Let us on. know what you guys are doing. We want to tell the world about what you are doing. So if please, there's a problem, let someone us know. will review. Let they'll us tell know. you. That's the only way you can build your yes. mobile application. So let us know so we can tell the rest of the world about it. So that is what to expect in the how-to segment and in the app segment brought to you by Jeffrey Oreku Sapo on City Trends for 2019. So there's one other voice that you're going to be hearing um, on the show. <coughs> but there is something that we would like to play um before you hear his voice so um you'll be hearing what we are going to hear a lot on the show this year and this is what i'm talking about has your computer developed a problem you don't understand is your phone refusing to respond is there a computer virus you're battling with are you having problems signing into your account share your tech problems with city trends and we will get the experts to help you solve them send us your problems via whatsapp number 054-998-6996 you can also send us a tweet using the hashtag city trends so we kind of figured um that some of you and from the messages that we received um, last year, we figured that some of you have some very pertinent technology-related problems that you would, ne you know, you need help with. You know, things that you're a little confused about, you need immediate solutions to. Now, what we also realized is that um, because of the nature of the show and some of the discussions that we have, we don't typically tend to have a lot of time to... For example, like pick calls and things like that. So we are trying to do something very different this year. And so if there, if you are out there, you are listening to the show and there is a particular technology um, challenge that you have, um, either at work, at home, in school, whichever one it is, there's something that you're not very clear about. There is some challenge that you're having. Um, you can send us a voice note or you can send us a WhatsApp message or you can tweet at us. And the voice that you're going to be hearing will be the man who will be curating um, your material that you send us, contacting the necessary technical people. And then they will be helping to explain why the problems you're facing exist and how you can solve them. Mr. Entry is... Um, Mr. Yao Enchi is the one who will be curating. Um, so Yao, um, aka Mr. Enchi. Yeah. Um, so anytime you hear Mr. Enchi, this is the man who will be doing um, and assisting you to solve some of the pertinent problems that you face on a daily basis. So Mr. Enchi, first of all, welcome. This is your first time yeah. on the show. Thank you very much. Okay. I'm so, so excited. Yes, uh, we are more than excited to have you. So, I mean... Typically, you know, what will you be looking out for um, in terms of, you know, people sending in? What would you be expecting? Okay, so uh, most, most of the basic stuff if you want to do that you're having challenges with. So you want to root your phone for something. You want to clear, clear your hard drive. Those basic stuff that you find challenges with. Mm. So you just send it to us and then we'll get a technical person and then the person will just answer. So it. what if they have complicated? Can we help resolve some hopefully not too complicated but a little sure. beyond just someone erasing their hard drive yeah. for example are these some of the things that we can we can also yeah. debate uh, on just basically everything just related to tech yeah right yeah. so like mr entry said if you have any issue 
that you are having challenges with solving and everything just send us a voice note or send us a whatsapp message we will get back to you and then we will make sure that um, we have the experts come in and explain why you are facing that challenge and then of course also um, to give you an understanding of how you can solve that particular problem well mr entry it's a pleasure to have you on the show he will be very instrumental in a number of things as well um, but yeah you'll be hearing more of him as as well unfortunately today uh, um, Farida cannot join us uh, because she's on leave and she's chilling somewhere and we'll allow her to do that. Now, um, to some very special segments we're going to be having on the show. And uh, Mr. Entry, it looks like people are already se- uh, sending in some of their, yeah. their problems, which is interesting. Um, so please send them in if you are having any challenges with your devices, if you're having any challenges with any of the equipment that you work with. Um, just send it through and we will do well to make sure we get some level of expertise to help you to solve your problem so we have a couple of segments that we are going to be doing this year on the show now um the whole idea is to expand you know the whole essence of um um literacy you know technology literacy because there are a number of things that we we tend to interact with you know based on our location based on our expertise based on the work that we do a lot of technologies that we tend to connect with and um there is obviously an opportunity for us to um, find a way to express you know some of these things so um this year we are having the very first one um, this quarter so um, this quarter is something that we've been doing for quite a while and i'm sure you know lady omega hammond and the ladies join us in the studio we review um the technology trends of um the past quarter now we restrict this to the women because we care about the women and we need them to also have a voice and and it's one of the best things that we've 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 made a decision to do so the ladies will be joining us every quarter um aside of course the regulars who join us on the show and uh, we'll be talking about the top technology trends of the past quarter we call it this quarter on the show now one thing we realized and um, from last year is uh, when we reviewed uh, the nokia device uh, the nokia 7 plus and we also reviewed the samsung note 9 we realized that there was a lot of interest from a lot of you and so we decided to take it up a notch now and um, what's happening is that every quarter we will be reviewing um, a device we will be reviewing some technology some consumer electronics um on the show so yes so make sure you expect that every quarter there will be a device that we'll be reviewing and um yeah so keep your fingers crossed i hope you enjoy those now the the segment that mr entry um will be helping us out with is called your tech now this will be a weekly thing so we'll be selecting a number of your questions that you have um from the course of the week and then we will be having someone join us um in the studio to discuss you know some of these um challenges that you typically have so it's called your tech now the final um segment that we're going to have um, this year is also going to be every quarter is the debates now i'm sure a lot of you remember the debate where we basically pitch a topic at the beginning of the quarter and then what we tend to do is we open it up for anybody and everybody who wants to probably join us in the studio to debate the topic now this year it's going to be get, getting very very interesting because we're going to have some 
pretty interesting prizes for the winners of the debates it's obviously going to be a tech related debate so um keep your eyes and ears tuned in your eyes obviously on social media your ears tuned in to your radio to hear the topic for the quarter and then when it is open season and we are receiving debaters um, make sure you put your 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 name in the hat and we will definitely do that so um these are the four segments that we are going to be having on the show very exciting this quarter uncovered your tech and the debate are going to be the four new additions to the show or or or, or as it were you know just making sure that you enjoy the very best of um the technology that is around you so um it's really really exciting stuff that we have planned for you this year but um this year we are going to start off um, with a conversation that um, um, we had or i had with um, emmanuel gamo now very interesting guy um he will be representing um africa um along with some others um and um it's it's really exciting what he and others are doing within the tech space first of all and then of course pushing ghana on the global map so we'll be getting to that conversation in just a bit but um thank you and um, for those of you who are sending in your um issues and um, some people have can't seem to get their find my phone to work and things like that we will definitely be answering those questions um, on the show for you so please do not fret too much so we are going to now get to hear um, from mr gamo uh, mr Emmanuel gamo um, and some of the very interesting thoughts that he has to share about growing technology growing human capacity in africa in ghana and around the world The show is City Trends, and it's a brand new year, 2019. Lots to look forward to, lots to expect, and um, a lot of conquering in various um, categories and spaces. But the big question has always been the how. How exactly do we go about that? We always start off the year anticipating and hoping for incredible things that we want to do as a people. But then how? How exactly do we end up doing that? Every year, lots and lots of people, um, according to the document in front of me, over 3,000 global leaders from politics, government, civil society, academia, the arts and media convene um, at an event or in a place where they can think about the future and think about how to solve the problems of the future the world economic forum basically is where it's happening um and it's happening again and the question that seems to come up a lot of the time is what sort of representation do we have at mm. these conversations how do we sit in ghana and still be a part of that conversation do we have people in those global spaces who are speaking to our reality on a daily basis and helping the world to understand how the problems that we face matter to the world and how the world's problems also matter to us and how some of our solutions can help solve the problems of the world. And it looks like a lot of the time we are not part of that conversation and we don't even get to understand why these conversations are important. But one of 
our friends on the show um, will be a part of that conversation. And um, it's, it's such a pleasure to have him. He's been traveling a lot. And um, we'll not get into the travels, but we'll get into the reasons behind the travels and why these engagements are very important. The theme um, is supposed to be global, globalization 4.0, shaping a global architecture in the age of the fourth industrial revolution. Emmanuel Gamma, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Um, firstly, a pleasure. Globalization 4.0, mm. um, shaping a global architecture in the age of the fourth industrial revolution. Mm. First of all, what does that mean? And um, why should we be paying attention to shaping a global architecture? How, which of the building blocks do we find ourselves in, for example? <laughs> Because it seems everybody is talking about something, yes. but we are not part of it. Mm. We don't seem to be a part of it. Thank you so much, Philip, for having me on this show. I'm such a fan. Uh, it's, it's, no, I really am. And over the years, uh, each of the podcasts, especially within um, our community, hearing hearing you give this platform for us to be able to have a conversation is such a blessing. So I really appreciate you, the folks at City FM. Um, <laughs> it's such a joy, a joy to be here. Um, and I officially to all those who get to, to listen to this. And if you're international, it means Happy New Year. So uh, we many blessings. Um, so as my good friend um, just introduced, uh, my name is Emmanuel Gamor. I am part of the Global Shapers Accra Hub. Um, which is um, a young community that is affiliated with the World Economic Forum, um, which was set up in Switzerland by Professor um, Klaus Schwab. And the World Economic Forum has been in existence since 1971 and really has been the largest political economic convener um, across the world. So every year around January, there's a lot of pomp and pageantry where you see a lot of um, dignitaries, um, past presidents um, from all countries, um, Bill Clinton, Angela um, Merkel, um, all the way through to even ahead of apartheid. And Professor Claus um, Schwab likes to credit himself for for convening a conversation before apartheid was um, and actually destroyed and, and eradicated from South Africa with Nelson Mandela in the early 90s as well. And the organization or nonprofit has grown from kind of establishing these spaces for an agenda to be set. So the, the, the conference has been known as Davos, um, where now they've also tried to put out knowledge around different sectors. Um, in order to interrogate what are the global trends so that when the leaders, both political and economic, meet, how do we tackle, how do we contribute to, to it? Um, the organization World Economic Forum, or WEF, has not been without its own critique because people are like, is it another uh, speak shop, conversation starter? And I think the the way that the organization has tried to evolve is to create other communities that allow other voices. So Young Global Leaders has been um, one of the ones which also spotlighted um, Mark Zuckerberg, um, has spotlighted a lot of young, talented people, but then also the Schwab, um, I think, Social Foundation, Social Enterprise Foundation, has also been a strong partner of Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation in allowing them access and partnering in social impact. Um, and we've had quite a number. So Farida Bedwe um, has been um, one of them. We have had young global leaders such as Bright Simmons, uh, Kimathi, and Elikem Kwenye here. Um, folks who've been affiliated, our finance minister, um, Ken Oforieta. Um, we've had quite a number of um, political 
um, and economic people in the country, Ruben Atekbe, who's our founding curator of the um, Accra Hub, been a part of that. And one of the phenomenons that we've seen post-industrialization is globalization. So the idea that the world has become what you would call a village, you have access to communication and the transferring of goods and services almost instantaneously. And for those of us who love football, and 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 I know in my country, we do uh, national uh, proper. And, and but if you look at the adoption of the Premier League, so I know we love our black stars and others, but it's such a, a fantastic way of looking at globalization that an English Premier League that has teams now has a global audience. And a product, not just in viewing, but merch and merchandise. So you and I have uh, Manchester United jerseys and supporters. As soon as they are out there, in less than a few days, we have access to every one of those products that were created in one place globally. So all fans enjoy the products and services. And there are systems that allow that for you to be able to take a product and service. And people have characterized that as globalization. So kind of the bringing down of trade barriers, the sharing of ideas, um, the opportunity for people to work um, in, in different countries as well. Um, and they're still pushing towards that. So there's been globalization, what at least the World Economic Forum would say 1.0, 2.0. So leading up to January, we're talking about globalization 4.0. And it's really tied into this idea of um, that we're all interconnected, this convergence. There's uh, this 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 idea of the internet of things um, this the, this industry 4.0 that we're, we're we've gone into where now things are combined um, in such an interesting way um, that virtual reality um, internet consumption um, the remote control of, of of other things but then also digital knowledge economies so companies like Alibaba Amazon uh, they can sell, and within that, there's a value chain of receiving the payment, receiving the order, and inventory, delivering. And, and, and it's it's fascinating, um, but it also becomes a challenge um, for those of us who are in the developing or global south. And so people, people interrogate the word developing, but we're in the global south. So how do we plug into this kind of space that we're meeting? How do we take advantage of it economically, and then how do we participate politically? So the World Economic Forum um, gives an opportunity for some of us. For us, Global Shapers, um, we were established shortly after the Arab Spring. Um, the idea of millennials, and Professor Schwab said that, yes, there were the young global leaders, but there weren't millennials who were participating. And the Arab Spring, particularly in the Middle East, showed that there's a strong voice of young people that needs to be heard. And politically, most of the people who would attend Davos uh, are quite old. They're, yeah, they represent our politicians. <laughs> Um, so there was an intentional effort to allow young people who are 33 years and younger um, to be part of this community. And every year we have our own conference on the continent. So we have a Shape Africa continent. But then we meet and we also try to participate and align with some of the conversations that happens in Davos. And through social media, we also express ourselves. And the thinking was old people don't have a monopoly on new thoughts. But actually it's the young people who are dreaming. Um, so what that's done is the World Economic Forum has allowed a lot of young um, global shapers to also participate. In the past, there have been anywhere between 40 to 60 people every year. So we get one selected to go because the um, World Economic Forum is quite expensive. You have to be, and it does a membership fee, but we get selected and we're housed. And um, so 
room, boarding, and transportation is covered for us to participate. And then we're encouraged to speak up and engage in some of the discussions. Um, so that's what's happening um, on January 22nd to the 26th, 25th. Um, I will be in Switzerland, been selected one of, and unfortunately the only one in Ghana, but one of five on, on the continent, and then one of 40 across the world. There are only 40 of us. When when you come into a space like that, mm. where you basically are representing or you're the voice of a whole country mm -hmm. within a global conversation like that. Yes. How, how do you still make your voice heard? Great question. Um, one of the things that luckily for me, I've, I've been in the communications um, space and industry for a bit and, and I get a chance to speak on different conferences and panels that similar to this has very few representation. How I've been able to manage this is look at some of the um, great representatives, because I'm not the first one that we've had. So if you look at the Ben Dutcher Malos or Komla Dumas and others who are communicators in that space, um, but also you look at um, Wangari Matais and you look at Nelson Mandela's and others, what they represented was a movement. For me, um, what helps is I'm able to collaborate ideas that we have, and I am only a vessel. So I channel what we're saying in the best way that I can articulate. So when I'm going to be at Davos, I, I don't have enough ideas or enough knowledge to be representative, but I do have enough skills and articulation to represent what we've all discussed. So that's why today I've taken the time to come to your show to speak up. Um, and I'm trying to do this within our communities. We have tech communities globally. And what we try to do is to ask people to interrogate with this agenda. The, global, the World Economic Forum has been there for years. The other ones, um, this agenda setting has been a staple and it's effective. Um, but the more of us that interrogate that, the more that we allow ourselves to think and share ideas, then every year when we have representatives or representation, we are empowered with our thoughts. We are empowered with the ideas and the need that comes from the ground. Because the thing about it is, and, and we've seen that with the UN's new youth strategy that they have, with the AU's Agenda 2063 and the youth charter they've put out, the world understands that there's a youthful population that needs to be heard. But they struggle with the how. And so it, because it's not um, an opportunity for everyone, they select certain people. And when we're selected, now the onus on us is to, yes, be a voice and a conduit for the majority. If I may ask, what... What are we saying? That's a great question. Another one. Um, part of what's happened with our engagement, I think as millennials and global shapers, we're, we're, we're getting to the phase where we were incredibly excited. We were politically mobili uh, mobilized. Um, but also now we're seeing that the system of things does stifle us. So first of all, there's a feeling of frustration amongst us, um, 35 and younger, because we grew up in a world where we were told that almost anything is possible. Um, we grew up in a world where most of our education was to plug into an industrialized or industrialization model, not a globally comp competitive model. So when you were growing or we were growing up, I wasn't thinking my math skills, my tech and coding skills would compete with somebody in China and Australia. That's a different space. But now that I have those competence, I am competing with people. Um, so what we're saying, especially a lot of young people, one, we're asking for space for us to make mistakes. I think that's one of the biggest things. It, it doesn't, it, when we listen clearly and deeply, um, for our generation, we're seeing the transition of physical to 
complete adoption of digital. Um, we knew Walkmans before they became iTunes and iPods. Um, we knew about typewriters and we had family members who were typists before now Microsoft Office and Mavis Beacon and others makes that. So we've, we've experienced that. So there's a frustration in knowing that, wait, the world we came into wasn't just this touchscreen, learn for yourself, self-learning. We came into a world where human interaction and passing of skills and apprenticeship was still key. But we've gotten to a world where we've also been told that we're the ones who are digital we're the ones who adopt quickly um, what we're also saying is it hasn't come with economic empowerment and so there have been lots of articles as uh, some people say that consistently every generation they challenge young people um, about millennials being lazy young people not not putting in their quota what we've done actually is we've actually put in so much work that has not been equally compensated and that we're starting to lose our idea of the value of our skills and labor. So for us, we're asking, what is our slice of the pie? We're not asking to necessarily be the ones that run the countries and industries yet, but we're saying we became social media savvy. We were told that it would give us connections. We started businesses, started NGOs and changing. Where is the economic impact for us? Uh, so those are the questions we're asking. And I think part of the reality also is we were not given... and and we do not understand or acknowledge the timelines for these new things because a lot of new things um if you look at for example for most people um i was flying here i was thinking about it ethiopia airlines is not is now expanding and doing fantastic things um, and they've gotten a fleet of about 40 to 50 new um, planes and for specific planes you have so rolls royce does their engine but boeing is one of the the plane manufacturers and that's how i was sitting and i was thinking about it and i was like Boeing is an industry that's multi-million. Each of the planes costs a lot of money. But if you think about it, in the 20s and 30s, when the Wrights brothers started to fly, nobody really, it was a gamble, it was a test. Like, until the 50s, flights, airplane, it was not industrialized. It wasn't a system where now we have um, uh, Passion Air. Now we have um, my favorite one, and I went to Nigeria, Awa. And I enjoyed it because I took an hour flight to Nigeria and I was listening to Daddy Lumba. And it took years for that to be commercialized and for us to engage in that, right? But there's a template that we can learn now so that we look at it and we say, okay, the internet is here, social media is here. What is the template for commercializing it so that we become economic agents and then we contribute to it? So now on our, because it's partly Ghanaian owned, now the musicians, the experience, everybody else auxiliary plugs into it. But because we don't own the experience online and internet and globalization yet, and we're playing catch-up, we're not. So that's, that's the message. How do we plug in? How do we also shape this globalization agenda? Um, and for, for me, I think the best starting steps is, first, we need to understand and learn it properly, not just be consumers. I think a lot of us, and, and I was guilty of this in my past life with um, working in tech, consulting in tech, working with these tech companies, you learn the products, but you don't learn the architecture and infrastructure. So we need, we, need, we need to take a step back, learn the architecture and infrastructure, and also be honest with ourselves. There's a part of the infrastructure that it is not economically viable for us to start from scratch. So if we say we want Ghana made, for example, now we say that we want our own Ghanaian airlines. The competition out there would drown us. Um, and, and, and so for us, these conversations help us understand what is going on around the world, what is 
our potential future competitive advantage. <laughs> our past competitive advantage used to be cocoa, used to be gold. Our past competitive advantage used to be teaching. We used to send teachers to Nigeria, to South Africa, to all these places. That may no longer be our current. And so we also need to interrogate that. We have that. We have it. We have a competitive advantage. We have something that we do best or better than most. But we need to invest in it so that it can realize itself in the future and continue that process. Um, so that's what this conversation helps us do, helps us interrogate that, helps us also learn from others because we're not in isolation. You can, as a country, be creating a development agenda and telling all your productive, intelligent people to go one way. And you realize just next door, Ivory Coast, or just two countries away, Nigeria is doing it. And they have a competitive advantage, whether it's in f- francophone markets or by population. So it's a constant process. You know, and... <laughs> Listen, this is still tuned into City Trend from 97.3 City FM. We, we are having one of those conversations that um, seek to force you to think mm, again mm, about mm. your place within the global economy and um, what part you're playing mm-hmm. exactly. Mm. And Emmanuel, like, I mean, all this aside, <laughs> um, yes, you, you've been involved in a lot mm-hmm. um, regarding how we can shape the minds of a new generation. Yes. And I guess my question to you is, um, when, you, when you think about Ghana as it is today, yes. and Ghana as it should be in 20 years' time, yes. 30 years' time, we get very excited mm-hmm. with technology coming in, oh. whatever coming in. We, you know, people are visiting the country and whatever. Yes. We we still don't seem to be able to plug into the global conversation the way we are supposed to. We've had occasions where the finance minister has talked to global leaders about, you know, whatever President Nanadu has spoken to the French president about how he wants to transform the country mm-hmm. and everything. But mm-hmm. we still get caught up in the everyday mm-hmm fixing of water, fixing mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. drones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we seem to be caught up in those ones. Yes. When are we going to catch up with the rest of the world and mm. where the rest of the world is going? Excellent, excellent question. And I really appreciate it. Um, and I love the examples you gave because I think one of the co- things about context also is typically we're the hardest on ourselves um, and we should be. Because it's it's our dreams and our aspirations that are most important to us. And our kids are going to benefit from our efforts. One of the things that is exciting about having conversations in, in global spaces, and, and I appreciate what you said about um, complimenting me about the work. So um, in, in teaching and, and working for companies that teach and, and introducing a lot of people to digital, um, is that we, as a country, we've, we've had some really strong personalities and characters um, from Kofi Annan um, being the UN Secretary General representing us and speaking his truth to um, a lot of our peacekeeping efforts and and, and our willingness to continue a Kwame Nkrumah legacy of a pan-African um, kind of uh, state and that legacy lives with us so what that's done is any time that the African Union um, ratifies and, and some of their policies have been around free visa um, or visa-free Africa and allowing for that, Ghana is one of the first to always sign up. Um, and it's fascinating to see because some of the stronger economic powers like South Africa and Nigeria are usually hesitant. 
Um, but what that does is that, on the continent at least, we become pace setters that other countries kind of catch up with. And I, the reason why I wanted to say that is because, um, speaking of our finance minister, um, uh, Kenneth Ferreta, speaking at financial me- uh, meetings and speaking about our case of development and where we fell short, I get excited when even our challenges and our problems get highlighted because you have to actually research most of the rest of West Africa to find stuff like that, whether Equatorial Guinea. You, you don't see that same willingness to put ourselves on that stage and to represent that. Where I think the challenge is, we've benefited from that. So we have a lot of global organizations. We have a strong Ghanaian brand that people are endearing and willing to come to that. So you speak of people visiting Ghana. So our Ministry of Tourism and Diaspora Affairs as well, our Ministry of Diaspora Affairs, those are separate, um, are celebrating and commemorating 400 years of slavery. So there's a huge movement of people coming back to Ghana, right? And we're celebrating our culture that we're not hiding and running away from it. There are actually countries on the continent that are hiding and don't celebrate and commemorate that. And so there's strength in that. And and so I wanted to bring up the conversation to say, as Ghanaians, we do have open mind and we're willing to interrogate some of these traumatic and difficult experiences, recognizing that we're colonial. Um, we had colonial masters at one point and we're a colony, but we're also pushing our politicians to do better. Yes. So where we've fallen short is if if you look at the intent and the policies from the 80s, 90s, we've really tried to push um, and and to especially um, around Millennium Compact goals and others to push us economically and to educate young people so that the current group of young people we have are as empowered as possible um, in terms of meeting the challenges of tomorrow. Unfortunately, and if you'd realize this, over the last two, three um, administrations, there have been a lot of youth programs, Youth Targeted, your SADA, all of these programs that were supposed to fill the gap because the realization was that the population growth of Global South was, was exceeding more than the opportunities. So we needed to have skilled young people who are coming in with an entrepreneurial thinking mindset, not necessarily being the ones to hire people, but thinking of new things as much as possible. That means that every time that we've had a failed or corrupt policy, it's had a generational impact on our lives. And so the reason why we criticize our politicians is because the things or the, the, the type of resources, especially, and, and we've stopped talking about this, when the, the type of dreams we had about Hope City and when we discovered oil and where we would become now, we would gone from a hippie to a middle income country, it's reflective when you go back and you see what we even thought of ourselves and how quickly those thoughts of hope, um, those thoughts of hope, those thoughts of economic empowerment have dissipated because of bad decisions, consistent bad decisions. So we've reached a space where we couldn't afford it to do that in the past. Now it's actually dire. So we have a lot of people who are trying to figure out how then do we meet the skills gap. How then do we meet productivity gap? Everybody now is demanding of their countries that we have a specific lifestyle. We're competing with experiences, whether you're looking at it through social media, IG, Facebook. You look at yourself and your age, and you look at your your compatriots, whether in China, Aish, Nigeria, China, Singapore, Australia, and then you ask yourself, why am I, is my life not that way? And for those who are business-oriented, those of us who are entrepreneurial, those of us who have skills, those in the creative industry, those who create genius masterpieces, and you tell yourself, ah, but this thing in Ghana, somebody wants to give me 20 Ghana. If I did this in Europe, I'd be compensated. 
those things are systems that are put in place that allow you for you to become the maximum economic agent. And that comes from the government plays a role in creating a conducive environment, but also innovation and industry plays a role in commercializing your talents. So the least or the less commercialized your talents can be, the more or, or closer it seems to poverty that you are. And so as an aspirational generation, and everybody's aspirational on the continent, I think I've been to about 20 different cities and different spaces. And you, we have these conversations over Pito. And mm. sometimes you even go and you'd be, you'd be happy to see Origin or you'd be happy to see Alomo <laughs> Bites somewhere else. And then the same thing, we're aspiring for more than we're able to get. And the only way we can re- realize those aspirations is if our policies and implementing actors, and that includes private sector as well, they have a role to play. If government, private sector, and academia, we create a network of innovation, constantly learning from each other, constantly tweaking and saying that, okay, we wrote this policy in 92. The 92 constitution said X, Y, Z. 2008, their thinking was so good for their time that it lacks ours because the the whole conditions have changed. Why are we still fighting the effects of it rather than saying that, wait, God bless you. You gave your best at your time. Now we've also been blessed. How do we enforce and empower that so that that can implement now but even better it can also predict some of the problems that we had no idea that cybersecurity would be part of our national framework we had no idea that compromising our data and asking and i think president kufo spoke about um something that we are very passionate about the right to information bill and his first apprehension was um, national security and, and information for us who came into it we're like mm, what what in the world do you mean by but if you understand his and, and bless his work and as a statement, and this is a statement is in no disrespect to the good work he did and, and was rightfully awarded um, with the president of Brazil at the time, I think in, uh, to, after 2010, for helping um, bring food security and helping a generation. So you can see our cousins and our younger brothers look much more physically able than us. And his work is a testament to that and good governance. But... In a world where access to information, whether on the web or dark web and others, delegitimizes this idea that the rights of information bill is the only space where we can get it. Mm-hmm. We have serious uh, investigative bodies, some of them public, like ANAS and others, and some of them private, that have access to the information you think you're protecting. Mm-hmm. So for us, a policy framework on the protection of our national data is to be transparent and empower everybody to know, similar to a blockchain where the security of something is by the community rather than us entrusting our uh, and 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 i don't have the stats on this this is anecdotal and personal but in comparison to other security apparatuses our underfunded under-equipped bni on cyber security and it's uh, we're not where they fit into we're not we're not the most funded country when it comes to our digital and online and that uh, that is from my pers- um, professional expertise and i've i've consulted state agencies on the use of domains and registered things on especially around election times when there's so much communication need for information so in the absence of a security apparatus that protects it it's disappointing to hear that the passage of the rights would compromise our national security when we don't really have as robust a system. And our, our cyber protection laws, mostly on the continent, are adopted from Europe. It <laughs> speaks to his reality and his perception of the reality of today. Yes. 
makes me wonder what's your perception of your reality and what's the future looks like when you sit around and you think and you are on a plane going yes. to Davos and you're thinking about the conversation you're going to be having with people from all these other continents and all these other countries. The burden that that puts upon your shoulder to mm. be to be the person who is representing the voice of a community of people who are looking at the rest of the world and imagining how they can be a part of the conversation. Yes. The burden that that I put on you. Yes. You know, I I don't want to be <laughs> but um coming back full circle. Yes. With all these things that you've highlighted. Mm-hmm. When when the opportunity comes for mm-hmm. you to engage with mm-hmm. other global leaders, other yes. global thinkers. Yes. What would you say be probably give or take the three top things mm-hmm. you feel that the rest of the world should be paying attention to about Ghana, our ecosystem, yes. our, our systems that we want to build. What are the three top things that, that for now, come to mind yeah. if you are to be sitting yeah. with you know, some, some global thinkers, some yeah. global shapers? Yeah. What are the three top things you think people should be taking note of what's happening? Excellent question, and thank you so much um, for framing it that way. And it, sometimes it does feel like a burden, um, but it's such a blessing because one of the things that we learned early in the Global Shapers Accra um, phase was there's a hub in every city and we realized that for us to be spotlighted and for us to have these opportunities because every person there are almost 30 about 20 to 30 people in each hub and there's a hub in every major major um, country city of every major country so that's 50 times 30 and you're only getting five of us or 10 going what would make us different um, at the global shapers Accra hub we decided to have a discourse and we decided to replicate a little bit of what was happening in Davos. So we were one of the flagship chapters to host Shaping Davos at Home and to ask questions about private-public partnerships, ask questions about industrialization, um, ask questions about the fourth industrial revolution and what does that really mean, and then globalization. What we did was, in humility, and this is how, this has been one of the greatest things, um, and, I, and I think we spoke a little earlier about my educational experience. I went to Prosec and... When you get there, I went to a Montessori school privilege, you meet such brilliant people um, from all kinds of schools. And the people who represented my year group, um, secondary, uh, junior secondary school, Muslims, Christians, I came from a privileged private school. Some came from public school, and they toasted me. And the people who represented us and won the brilliant math and science came. One of them, Michael Bigpi, Riza Abdullah, Michael's dad was from the military. At a very early age, it showed me that one, intelligence is 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 there's no monopoly to intelligence there's no monopoly to information so that principle has has led me through the times that i was leading the Accra hub for us to say that we should listen listen more I, my perspective is unique and is valid but our collective perspective almost like gleaning data and data scientists so now people now the more data points you have the closer you can have to understanding sentiments and then the better um, ways that you can make predictive decisions. The same thing happens now when I speak on the global stage is to really commit myself to researching, having conversations and listening. So ahead of Davos, part of this commitment is to share this with people and to, for them to say we have an open platform on social media. You can reach me, you can reach almost anybody online socially. 
you've heard about this before. What are you thinking? Share it because then we can sift through that. Then I become, again, the conduit for sharing multiple sentiments. That all these data points, then the average points, the extrapolations, the statisticians love those. That is gotten from that is this is what we need. This is how we feel. This is how we want to be validated. And the power of the we rather than the I is that then we own the future of Ghana that we want to see. So then the agenda that the Global Shapers set, by sharing what we think, it allows people of policy and privilege or people of privilege within the development space to say, oh, this is how we feel and this is what would let us adopt to it. Um, so then to the second part of your question about Ghana and what our place looks like for the future of stuff, we've, we're such a passionate and very educated group of people and i say education not in the just in the formal sense of the word that we've gone through secondary school um our culture in itself rewards at least socially the thirst for education what we've done traditionally is to truncate it to special occupations that have more privilege but in general go to any Ghanaian family whether they the the parents have been formally educated or informally educated whether the parents are middle class or lower class, or whether they are part of the political elite, the premium, and, and there's a Ghana Living Standards survey that speaks to this, there are other surveys that people have taken, is what they want the most for their kids is to be educated. And we haven't lost that. And it's something that is, speaks to the Ghanaian character. The fascinating thing, it's not like that everywhere. Not everybody everywhere says, I want my kids to be educated. A lot of people want their, their children to have wealth. Some people want them to have riches. But for us, it's, a, it's education. It's a unique thing to us. And we've, we've been able to create a social construct that rewards that. That's how come that even when you look at salary com compensations and you look at some of the people who commit most of their lives to formal education, like doctors and others, and you look at those who might be entrepreneurial and business people, and there's a huge disparity in the reward. But day in, day out, the Ghana Medical School has more people aspiring to commit themselves to go into than not. There's a social benefit to that. We need to innovate and interrogate that. Now the world has changed. Yes, there are no, there are no longer industrialized spots for certain jobs. But as a people, we demand, we want education. Parents would do almost anything. And parents do it, yeah, daily. Yeah. Parents make huge sacrifices because they know that once their children are educated, even if it doesn't come with wealth for themselves, it comes with prestige, and they know that it's part of their parental job and duty to bless them with that. Now it's part of our job to figure out what are we educating? Who are we educating? And the beautiful thing about education is what habits of curiosity that you constantly be able to learn. And for us, that's where we have a head start. And that's where a lot of African countries, if, if Burkina Faso, you speak to Ivorians, you speak to other people, we're lucky because we're Anglophone oriented. And we're also lucky because we have a diaspora population that when we go out there and we assimilate and are successful, so then your foundation in Ghana does not give you a disadvantage. Exactly. So we have some of those things. And to speak to education, we've had spaces where we've, we've had teachers, people leave the country, and there's still quite a number in the Sadak region, Southern African um, region. And they, every time I mention my name, they're like, oh, Kofi Kwame. They're like, wait, my teacher used to be this. My teacher used to be that. We also have two very prominent people who have taken on the mantle um, to try and educate the continent and re-engineer education, Patrick Iwa and Fred Swanica. Both have different ways of expressing that. Um, 
But what is beautiful about that is that next generation, outside of politicians, outside of those in the development space, on the entire continent, there are two Ghanaians, one in Mauritius and one in Ghana doing that. So you can see that the expressions of how strong education principles showcase themselves. And we're starting to see some of the fruits of that. The University of Ghana is also trying to figure out how to decolonize and they're making efforts. Tech. The problem is that there are very few and not enough. So for us, we need to own and have a conversation. My argument is that education allows, or and, and this is also um, um, in management theory and others, that the knowledge worker is who you want. Somebody who has skills but constantly upgrades them, their knowledge. And for you guys, and I've been a fan of Samans and City FM, and even from you, from your first time, I think it was Cardiff? Mm. From your time in Cardiff, coming here, you've made yourself a knowledge worker in your expertise to becoming managing the team to when City TV coming on. What you've done in the last five years wasn't was to take some of what you've learned formally, but to build on it within your workplace so that your output is optimized and it, it's in line with the company. That is learning and education. And some people in Ghana especially, we're able to do that very well, but we're able to do that in the conducive environment abroad. So you see that there's a Ghanaian who's been part of fiber optics. There's a Ghanaian in the science industry. There's a Ghanaian in faculty. Then you ask yourself, but what's going on here? That's why these global conversations matter. Um, because the policies and agenda that's set there, a lot of them are adopted by our government. And I'll give an example. You, you mentioned our president and finance minister. So our president is currently one of two ambassadors for the Sustainable Development Goal. Um, so Nana, uh, President Nanado Dankwa and President Paul Kigame of Rwanda are both ambassadors. So the Global um, Citizen Festival, they were both in South Africa, participated in that. And our president gave a speech about Ghana's commitment to this. And so did President Kigame. On those levels, we're able to do and engage and let people know our intent. It is on the follow-through and trickle-down that we start. What we also have is a lot of Ghanaians are into social enterprise and social space. And they're fantastic, and I'd, I'd, and I'd, and I'd love to um, spotlight some of the ladies, Regina Jari, Ivy Bali, um, a lot of the younger ones. And you see them creating tech for girls, entering spaces that were traditionally for guys, and they're giving the guys a run for their money. They're, they're competing toe-to-toe, Farida Bedwe, amazing, and, and representation matters. And they are actually, and Ivy was recently in the EU, there was a conference on strategy for youth, and she participated. So you can see that in spite of the government's gap and us not seeing this stuff, we're still finding ways of getting exactly. to those, those. So the next step, education, we need to become masters of collaborators. We don't just need to collaborate because it feels good at this time because we need to become masters of it. And when you become a master, first, you understand the agenda. Second, you understand the competence of the people in here. And third, you are rallied towards a uniform vision, a future that we've all decided. So then when I'm collaborating with you, I'm collaborating for us to have an expected outcome. And we might have unexpected outcomes out of the way. That's what innovation is. But even when we fail... Because we understand the purpose that we're coming in, because we respect the competence, strong competence, not just a honeyhole, that we bring to the table, now we have a multiplier effect or exponential impacts, not just one-on-one. So that's the other transition. And that's why I spend time, because these things are not paid. These organizations, some of them, some of them comes at a personal cost, even though it's subsidized. And personally, 
I could also be a, a business professional and hone in on my time, my energy, and make serious money and then be happy with that that it does for my family. I'm good. But if I start to become a master collaborator, if I start to, one, first be an example of what continuous education, not just formal, a lot of our education is informal. The reason we don't respect it is that there aren't systems and industries that respect informal to commercialize it. So that's part of our life mission. The people who came before us, they created a peaceful infrastructure for us to be able to think. The people who came before us in the media space, they created a private infrastructure and an otherwise government infrastructure for us to have our podcast and platform. So for us as millennials, yes, we might be disappointed, yes, but now we need to think forward. What part of the ticker, what part of the industry or system are we dedicating our lives and not just for our family benefit, but for the next generation so that when they come in, my biggest one is the next generation that comes in of leaders who participate or media people, they should not struggle to have right, relevant, contextualized information. I had to ask so many questions, had to be part of so many things to have right, factual, contextualized information. And our history books don't help. Our education doesn't really help. But it's synthesizing, reading all about it, reading about the Ghana Empire, the Mali Empire, before we adopted the Ghana name, even as a country itself, and knowing that innovation existed. Uh-huh. Those things empower us. So the context is everything. And so for me, the reason why I come speak on these platforms, share these things, because context helps, and it also empowers people. When you know, you know better, you have the opportunity to do better. Then when we're setting an agenda now of, of say, for employing young people, it's not about the physical location. Um, and one of the things that I would say, I, I, I try to be very politically correct. Um, but for, for me, when I first heard the One District, One Factory, I didn't think or I didn't envision a physical location. I envisioned communities that had people who decided that we'll become a factory of knowledge workers. We'll keep learning consistent new skills. If that means that even if I don't have formal education and I can't write on paper, I will start looking at carpentry, I'll start looking at plumbing and say, what are the innovations in plumbing so that there's efficient water flow? What are the innovations in carpentry so that the longevity of my raw materials go beyond just three to five years? What are the innovations in aesthetics flow so that when I create something here and I put it on Instagram, somebody, and this is happening in our fashion space. I have one of my good friends, Chocolates, Kweko Bediako, started off graphic designer. I wear his stuff mostly on international stages and especially when I have to wear a suit and tie. And one of the things I told Quick, who's a good friend of mine, every time I meet him, I was like, your spirit is in your clothes. And he is absolutely unrepentant and very deviant in how he creates. And because he has found a space that allows that, Jadena was in town, Jadena wore his stuff. Um, actors, American actors in different shows have worn his stuff on stage. He's been in France, he's been on BBC. Kweku is my friend, he went to Legon. Out of the 7 billion people, he's as non-special as I am. But he's become a knowledge worker in his fashion craft. What he does, there are others who do it. Clothes, we do it here. But what he's been, how he's been able to put it together, he has little innovations. When you wear his slim fit, when I bend over, I can take it off because he has two flaps on there. He, he's moving away from buttons and he has clips. Little things that I appreciate. His clothes last for a very long time. He, he sources quality material and threads. 
So you pay premium price, but just like the products that we love, the gadgets that stay forever, you get um, longevity. So when I think of a factory in every district, I'm thinking of the creation of knowledge workers that in our own small corner, whatever we're producing, whether it's a product or service, outlives that. But then when you truncate it to be a building that does something, then all of a sudden, you've you, exactly. Exactly. Emmanuel, Charlie, <laughs> looking at the time, that's 51 minutes on the I'm clock. I'm sorry, yes. Like, <laughs> It's. I think. I think. I think. It's. It's. It's important that we do have these conversations. Yes. And we do have these engagements. But I'm guessing also that you are still open to other thoughts and things. How can people get in touch with you, oh. even ahead of you know your trip mm-hmm. and everything, so people can also know that their voices are being heard in in the spaces that that matter. Thank you so much. Um, I'm big on social media in terms of. Um, constantly engaging and checking and reading other people. So there are quite a number of our, your listeners that are probably following and, and um, learning from them that they might not realize, right? Um, so my handle is EA Gamora on Twitter. Um, EA Gamora, you can just put it in, in a Google search and you'd see all the ways you can find me on Facebook, on LinkedIn. Um, it's it's consistent in that space. And it's E-A-G-A-M-O-R. Um, also, Global Shapers of Crap, because it's affiliated with this organization, is a great space. Our current curator um patrick stevenson um he's the head of research for imani um and then mark mark Henny, um she recently rabio she recently got married um and and she's also a strong advocate for digital amazing work that she did um and telling our own stories in a fascinating way and she currently works in the, um, at the office of the president we're all quite digitally engaged um accra hub if you check the accra hub on twitter on facebook drop us a line drop us a message um we constantly have events and uh, the last one was in conjunction with christ the king um, temple on hunger and aid because we've thought that that's something that we're going to do we have another event with um, yale university students on january 8th that's more closed because of their participants than us um, but we try to share that and share our learnings um, and I think we've evolved from my days volunteering in Ghana decides where we're just putting hashtags to saying that you can actually follow some of these conversations on hashtags. So the hashtag WEF19 or Davos19 would have almost everything that we're saying. We'll be tweeting about it. Um, they usually put some of the live streaming discussions on there. Um, for most of, of, of you who are listening, this might all sound new. And for me, five years ago, it all did sound new. Um, but the thing about it is, is to stay engaged. If you find a part of um, the architecture and globalization 4.0 that makes sense to you, um, it affects fashion, it affects uh, manufacturing, it affects industry, mining, if, exactly. So the idea is for you to be plugged in, consume the information, share. Because I think the biggest thing is we also, and, and this is one of the things that I'm working on, I, I'm. We're privileged to be equipped with English, and so when people mention these big terms, we we almost feel as if because they've mentioned it in their language is theirs. Innovation has existed in Fanti and Ewe and my local languages even before they showed up. So when you see these things and you hear these things, don't be intimidated. Just know that they decided to put resources aside to learn from us, um, and part of what I've been learning in in my journey as an academic also is the amount of innovation that we've created that people have just written down and copied um, from medicines, from paracetamol and others. These are from indigenous African communities. Um, and they continue to do that because we are not validated and we don't share. So for us, 
please be bold. Please share. Um, please engage with the conversation. Um, engage with us. This is a journey for us. We also would bring back some of what we've had there and test it here. That is our, our responsibility. If we're giving the opportunity to be in those spaces, we're also supposed to bring it because they also approach this with context. Um, and one of the things that I want everybody to take take away, and the reason why I'm moving away from calling us developing to global south is a, a good indicator just if you pay attention to France. They've, they're considered a developed country that, that has had access to a lot of resources of our sister countries. They just had one of the longest riots on employment and salaries when forever. And fuel, yes. And when we had similar for our students in KNUSD, we had politicians all up in arms saying that civil disobedience, X, Y, and Z. Every generation is going to push back on an established order. If we are educators, and as I said, we should, we should highlight the fact that we have a strong propensity to educate our families want that if we're educators it means we're open to new knowledge every day at some point somebody thought the world was flat now it's round if we are master collaborators instead of us looking externally to appreciate white people people who seem to have other ideas let's look at our younger generation who are growing up in a different world they might not leave this place but their vision and imagination is amazing give an example v for vanity show Please check it out on social media. They have a showing in Labon. I just chanced upon them. And I'll, I'll show you, Philip, what they did. And they're 22, 23-year-old, a group of brothers, twins, fraternal twins, and another brother. And they've done an amazing show that's going on through January 5th. They'll change it up again. And it exceeds what you and I have imagined as set. So they did it with flowers. They've reimagined what a kekena pep looks like with yellow flowers. They've reimagined, and I'll show you these pictures. If you are listening, please check V for Vanity Show. That's one of the things I've dedicated my life to be is to know that, and, and, I, and I learned this also from Jack Ma, so I can't take full credit. He says the younger generation is always going to have newer ideas. So depending on the phase in life we're in, we should, if we're the ones, we should be creative. And we are, we we're almost out of our creative phase. But this next step, now I should use the, the, the corridors of influence to highlight those younger. Then the next phase, I should use my resources because I'll be optimized as an economic agent to fund that. Because once I fund that, they would also create the open spaces for the new ones and then the cycle. Good. Same thing with the U.S. They're the bastion of democracy. They're struggling with the concept of democracy and they've seen how it can be hijacked. So where are we? We're global south, we're present, and we're also contributing or supposed to contribute. So there's no standard to anything because the UK as a dominant force due to Brexit is now in chaos. My aunt who lives there is telling me, it's, she was like, wow, they don't know what to do. And that's okay. At some point, they had investment in other things. At this point, the continent, our people, we have the youngest dreamers who have not been... Um, sensitized to an already industrialized problematic world our job is one thing to allow them to be educated and to allow them to collaborate so that they can also figure out our failings our big brothers and big sisters have not figured out how to commercialize our culture properly for it to be invested that's fine if you look at the music industry right from rock and roll country music the beginning these were riffraffs it didn't just wake up becoming commercialized if you looked at extractive industries 
particularly in California, there was a gold rush. In the beginning, these were oil slick salesmen and vagabonds. Nobody decided that today it's been commercialized. So when somebody says, I'm in the oil and gas industry, you give them. And so understanding the historical context is important. Our gold mine is our thirst and love for learning. And then it doesn't matter what generation and it doesn't matter what leader or who we aspire to. Whether it was informal or formal, every one of the people who've made impacts were open to learning and educating. So let's make sure that our children, those behind us, have access to transparent, contextualized learning. Then we move out of the way. They will be able to figure out solutions to problems we couldn't. And all we have to do is give them the space to do that. And when we can, give them the resources to be able to carry it out. Imano. Such a pleasure, Philip. Appreciate it, man. Thank you Appreciate so much. Thank you so it. much. Well, that is, um, that is our opening conversation for the year. Kind of gives you an idea of what 2019 will hold for City Trends and for the engagements that we're going to have. Thank you so much for making time with us. The show will continue, um, but um, I do hope you will be strapped in because it will be a wonderful ride. Thank you so much for making time with us. This is 97.3 City FM and the show is City Trends. And you heard that my first guest for City Trends for 2019, Emmanuel Gamohi, um, recently got selected as one of five from Africa and one of 40 plus globally to attend the World Economic Forum Davos meeting from January 22nd to 25th. Um, usually um, a meeting for most influential economic and political meetings um, that is reported on globally annually. And um, this year, um, over the last five years, of course, um, what the conversation has been basically around is globalization 4.0, shaping a global architecture in the age of the fourth industrial revolution and what it means for Ghana. And that and many others, uh, what we opened up the show with um, or opened up the year with on City Trends, I do hope that it was an engaging enough conversation. It was a conversation that caused you to think and rethink and question and um open yourself up to you know a lot more um of the the thinkings that you know are going on globally because the world is happening and we need to be a part of that happening in order to stay in step you know and of course overtake where we can we have incredible potential as a country and um, we have an opportunity to overtake um, but it's only when we see the opportunity and we are part of the global conversation that we can be a part of that change and so um it, it was great having Imano on the show and i do hope that you've picked up a thing or two from him so that will be all for today's show um as you know today we are not having any segments it was mainly just to introduce you to what we have planned for the year so just like to um, go over um, what this year is going to look like. Um, as you know, as we already do have, we have the how-to segment where we basically try to break down some of the very common terms, the concepts and things like that. Everything from what is a USB 3.0 to um, what is a printer cartridge to whichever. So that is a mainstay of the show um, from last year. We also, of course, have the app segment where we bring you some very relevant mobile applications for your devices. And in case, you know, you are not really sure you bought a new phone, you have tons of space, you're not sure what to do with it. Well, we're going to be helping you to figure out what sort of 
productivity applications or basically just general applications that will help you maximize the use of your device. And of course, we have the training segment of the show, which um, brings you up to date with all the latest happenings in the world of technology, at least for the past week before we bring you another um, edition for the next week. Now, we have a couple of um, brand new things we are trying out for this year. Some we have played around with a bit in the past and some which we are releasing brand new for 2019. Now, this quarter is, um, it happens every quarter where various female technology entrepreneurs join us on the show to review the top technology stories of the quarter on the show. As you would have probably noticed, Lady Omega Hammond and the rest of um, the, the, the community um, of female technology entrepreneurs join us to do that this year we'll be working with you know impact hub with ispace especially as well um on 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 bringing you some very relevant technology conversations right here in ghana we also have the uncovered now uncovered basically is a quarterly device review segment that looks at consumer electronics now we 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 had to rethink our strategy because we realized that there was a lot of positive feedback from the reviews that we did of the nuclear 7 plus and the samsung note 9 from last year and so we'll be upping our game with that with the uncovered segments of the show we have the your tech as well which is um, basically every week um, we have a listener or a couple of listeners who have sent in either voice notes or have written to us on twitter or have sent a message on whatsapp letting us know some of the challenges that they are facing with their devices um you know or some of the tech that surrounds them basically and we will be getting experts to explain why the problems are the way they are and um, basically give us some solutions as well so you will be educated and you'll be more technology literate and then finally we have the debate which is also happening every quarter where we table a topic at the beginning of the quarter and invite you the listeners to engage in a debate in the studio now the winners will be awarded um, thankfully and we've had some very great partnerships and so we'll be rewarding the winners of the debate um, as we have it on the show so it's it's going to be an exciting year i'm really really excited about it uh, my name is Philip Pashon. i was in the studio with jeffrey Rikusapon, the renewed jeffrey Rikusapon, and of course mr Enchi as well um thank you so much um to um, everyone um, for supporting the show and a big thank you to Haptel, um, our major sponsor. Now, Haptel basically is providing businesses of all sizes with an e-commerce platform to organize sales processes and delight customers in-store, online, and basically on mobile. So if you own a business, simply dial star 713 hash and they will call you back and help you to set up your own e-commerce platform. How good is that? Haptel, rethink customer service. Till next week, stay techy.